Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Hey, that just a reminder, next Sunday night is our choir musical on December 9th, so make sure you're here and have somebody invited to that. Hey, Genesis chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, your digital device, that's the very first book in your Bible, Genesis chapter 3. I'm starting a new sermon series today entitled, The Night Before Christmas, Why the World Needed a Savior. We celebrate Christmas, and we kind of use that as the starting point of history. As a matter of fact, Christmas is the line of demarcation in the way we do our calendars. It is B.C. and A.D., and there is no zero. It is B.C. 1, which is the year before Christ. B.C. stands before before Christ. A.D. is Latin for Anno Domini. It means in the year of our Lord. And so we went from B.C. 1 to A.D. 1. And we started counting after Christmas. So Christmas is a big deal. The birth of Christ is a big deal. And we kind of view in this day, 2,000 years removed from the birth of Christ, we kind of only think about that time. However, here's what I want to talk about over the next four weeks. There was a reason we needed a Savior. There was a reason we needed Christmas. 81 was fantastic. But can I tell you this? BC1, we were in lots of trouble. Lots of trouble. And the night before Christmas, the world desperately, desperately needed a Savior. So I want to preach today on this subject, joy to the world. Genesis chapter 3, and we'll stand and read in just a moment. uh, uh, So let's talk about this. I'm going to do a poll this morning. How many of you put your Christmas decorations up already? Let me see your hand. You got Christmas decorations up? All right. So we're going to take a poll. And I want you to respond with clapping your hands. Tell me what kind of person you are. Number one, you put your Christmas decorations up before Halloween. If that's you, clap. Nobody, wow. All right, number two, you put them up somewhere around the Thanksgiving holiday. If that's you, clap. Good number of us. You will put yours up Christmas week. If that's you, clap. All right, couple. Okay. Finally, last year's decorations are still up. If that's you, let's hear you clap. No need to take all those lights down, right? They're already, uh, I mean, they're just going to put them up next year. As it turns out, early decorators may be doing themselves and us a favor. You're not going to believe this, but they actually did a study. The Temple University and the University of Utah did a study, uh, and they published it in the Journal of Psychology, on people who are early Christmas decorators. Here's what they found out, that people who are early Christmas decorators are friendlier, their neighbors are happier, and get this, if you're an early Christmas decorator, you tend to be happier. Here's what we discovered. Now, I just want to read this to you. Here's what psychoanalyst Steve McCowan said. There could be a number of symptomatic reasons why someone would want to obsessively, that's rude, put up decorations early. Most commonly for nostalgic reasons, either to relive the magic or to compensate for past neglect. In a world full of stress and anxiety, 
People like to associate things that made them happy in Christmas decorations evoke those strong feelings of the childhood. So he says decorations are simply an anchor or a pathway to those old childhood magical emotions of excitement. So if you put them up early, he says, you extend the excitement. And so they say those warm feelings of joy and excitement are transmitted not only inside your home, but get this, if you put decorations outside, it's transmitted to your neighbors as well. So if you have a fussy subdivision on July 4th, put up Christmas decorations in the neighborhood. It makes people happier. Because what we're trying to do this year is recapture the joy of Christmas. We're trying to recapture the nostalgia of Christmas, that nostalgic joy that you had when you were seven, eight, or nine years old, maybe. You're trying to recapture that when we put up those decorations. Or maybe for some of us, we're even trying to create that because we never experienced it. But I want to tell you this morning that Christmas has a far deeper meaning than nostalgic joy. This is not a historical event that's without deep, deep spiritual significance. So to understand why we desperately need a Savior, I want us to go back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 3. And would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it? This is going to be a familiar story for about half these Bible verses. But then I want you to... Look at a part we, we rarely look at. Now, the Bible says, The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. And by the way, don't have time. There's about a thousand sermons in these passages today, but here's what I want you to hear. You get into trouble when God gets you to question his word. When, when Satan gets you to question God's word, rather. When, when Satan says to you, oh, I know the Bible says, but you're in trouble. That's what he did to Eve. For God knows that the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You shall be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave her husband with her and he ate. And the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded that you should not eat? Now listen to me carefully. We're going to talk about it in just a moment about God had placed them in the garden of Eden. You have to read what is perhaps the disgust of God in this verse. 
Because God said, I gave you everything you needed. I gave you everything that was necessary. I gave you everything for pleasure. I gave you all that you needed. And I had one stipulation for those who may wonder if, if, if the Bible teaches free will. Of course it does. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is evidence of the free will that God bestows upon his children. You say, would well, you believe in the sovereignty of God? Of course I do. I believe God is so sovereign, he's not afraid of my free will. There's one tree. One. Then the man said, here, here, Adam was not the first man's man. The woman you gave me to be with, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Can you hear Adam and Eve? They're talking about this. They said, God's going to find out. We know God's going to find out. He says, honey, what are you going to do? Because uh, it really started with me. He's like, don't worry, baby, I got you. I'm just going to walk up to God, and I'm going to say, I did it, God. She's like, I love you so much. <laughs> and God said, whose fault is it? She, it's hers. He, she did it. <laughs> she did it. She did it. I'm surprised that wasn't the first murder in the Bible. The Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat of the dust all the days of your life. Hey, by the way, I don't know if you know this or not, when you see pictures of uh, people have drawn, artists have drawn uh, over the years paintings, and you see that a serpent is coiled up in a tree. That's not what, that was not a serpent. A serpent did not run on the ground until after this curse was pronounced on it. It was, it was probably a, 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 a appendages. It probably had either four feet or either two feet and, and two hands before the curse, and the curse caused it to go up on the ground all the days of your life. He said, I'll put enmity between you, that's a serpent, and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head, and I, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow, and your conception, and pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have not eaten from the tree, of, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. But thorns, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Thank you, you may be seated. Joy to the world. Now to understand what's going on at Christmas time in AD 1, we have to go all the way back to the beginning, because in the beginning, man and the world had been created absolutely perfect, and they had been placed in the Garden of Eden. Now, you, you may not know this. You may be new to your Bible, but let me explain to you what's happening. When Adam and Eve were here, there was no pain. There was no death. There was no suffering. It didn't even rain. There were no storms. Everything was absolutely perfect. They didn't even have to punch a clock. God had placed them in the Garden of Eden to keep it, but it wasn't work. It was a joy to do that. And everything was going great until Satan came along and the serpent, and they came and tempted Eve to do the one thing, the one thing they were not supposed to do, eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God gave them this command in Genesis 2, 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it, for in the day you eat of it, you shall surely, say that with me, die. 
as you read the story, they did eat. The one command given by God with all of the bounty of all of the world given by God, all of the goodness, all of the greatness given by God in one command, just don't do this one thing. And they did it. That decision, that act, that one, that one bad mistake created all kinds of problems for them and all kinds of problems for us because here's what happened that day. Sin was introduced into the world and the reason we need a savior is because of what happened here in Genesis chapter 3. So taking that story, I want to give you three reasons today. We needed a savior to be born at Christmas. Three reasons Christmas is what it is. Three reasons it means so much to us and listen, Three reasons you need Jesus today. Number one is this. We needed Christmas to reverse the curse. We needed Christmas to reverse the curse. You say, well, what curse are you talking about, preacher? Well, we find it right here in, 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 in Genesis 3.17. He said, and then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. Cursed is the ground. And toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Cursed is the ground for your sake. So far the earth had given Adam and Eve everything they needed. Again, no work, no labor, no pain, no sweat. But now that arrangement has been destroyed by sin. And the Bible says that the ground creation, all of earth, has been cursed. And as a result of the ground being cursed, as a result of God's creation being cursed, listen, the protection and favor of God has been gone. And it's only going to yield its fruit through hard labor. Toil, it says. The NIV translates it painful toil. That describes a week at work, right? Painful toil. The impact of this curse is that, yeah, you're still going to get food, but you're going to have to work for it. Hey, do you remember what happened in the book of Genesis, beginning in chapter number one? God created everything in six days, and here's what God said. Day one, it was good. Day two, it was good. Day three, it was good. Day four, God saw it and it was good. Day five, it was good. Day six, it was good. Everything God created, he stopped and said, it is good. And now he gets to Genesis chapter three. And he said, now it's going to be hard. It was good before. It was good for Adam. It was good for you. It was good for all of us. But now it's no longer going to be easy. Now it's no longer going to be good. Now it's going to be hard for man. And the whole of creation was cursed because of sin. And it made life so much more difficult. Listen, I want you to think for a moment of all the ways creation fights against us. We hear about storms that ravage places. That's the curse. We hear about earthquakes in Alaska and other places. That's the curse. You hear about wild animals. That's because of the curse. I read a story this week while I was traveling about a guy in Alaska killed a bear that was charging at him only to go home and find out the bear had already killed his wife and his daughter. That's the curse. Every time you sweat, that's the curse. Hey, every time you punch a clock, that's a curse. Every time you have fear in your heart, that is the curse. Listen, here's what happened. Uh, creation makes life difficult now because of the curse. Creation makes life hard. The earth is cursed because of Adam's sin. And that curse causes everything to be hard in your life. I'll be honest. When you get to the end of the day and you say it's been a hard day, that's because creation has been cursed. 
and creation could not incurse itself. And this world you live in was and is and will be a mess. And I don't mean to disappoint you, but the Bible is very clear. It's only getting worse. I mean, the Bible says in the last days, perilous times will come. And if the whole thing is broken, all the little moving parts are never going to work correctly. As a little boy, we... uh, we owned a house, we actually lived in a subdivision, but my dad had some acreage he bought actually in this subdivision. And out there he'd plant a garden, do different things. But my dad put a put an old, old car out on some of that acreage. And it's out where I played, out where we grew a garden. And, and so dad got this old international car. It was a kind of a unique collector's item. And dad always intended to uh, remodel the car and make it better and, 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 uh, and to fix it up and to drive it around. It had been a little bit of a unique car, but man, the car didn't have a motor in it. The motor didn't run and, and it had flat tires and, and the car had a, all the windows had been shot out of it. I did that, but that's a story for a later time. <laughs> I'll tell you that one day, but uh, it was out on the land I played and I, I would go out on a hot summer's day and I'd be out there playing in the summertime and I'd be riding my bike and killing my uh, 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 playing out in the woods and I'd pretend to be Tarzan or somebody like that or Batman out in the woods and, and I'd get hot and overheated and you know what I'd do? I'd go open up that car door and I'd get in it and I'd turn on the air conditioning on high and I'd lay back and just let that cool breeze waft over me. Actually, that didn't happen. You know why? The air conditioning didn't work in the car. Because the motor didn't work. Because tires were flat and the windows were out. It was hotter in the car than it was outside the car. I didn't get in the car and listen to the radio. I didn't get in the car and turn on the air conditioning. You know why? It was broken. The whole thing was broken. Inside the car was worse than outside the car. Can I tell you this morning that that is the world we live in. The whole thing is cursed by sin. And the only remedy for that curse was and is Jesus. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 21. Here's what the Bible says. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. That's the curse. Into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Listen, all of creation because of Christmas one day is going to ultimately be delivered. That we needed Christmas in order to reverse the curse so that Christ could deliver it. And one day the Bible said there is coming a new heaven and a new earth and there will be no more pain. As a matter of fact, it's worth reading. And God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for those old cursed things have passed away. Listen, right there is a good way, place to say, thank you, Jesus. Help me somebody say, thank you, Jesus, today. Don't you want to live in the world that's not fighting against you all the time? That's why we needed a Savior. That's why we needed Christmas. Listen, that's why if you're here today and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to walk with Jesus every day of your life. Why? This world is messed up. This world is cursed. And listen, the only path to victory in a cursed world is Jesus Christ. 
You say, well, I'm going to turn over a new leaf starting in January. I'm going to make some New Year's resolutions in January. I'll fix things up myself. You're not going to fix things up yourself. This world is cursed, and it's going to get harder and harder and harder. And the only one that can reverse the curse, the only one that can make things better, is the one who was born in a manger on Christmas Day over 2,000 years ago. That's why we needed Christmas. Because we needed somebody to reverse the curse. And there's some of you here today and you're like, preacher, my life is so hard, man. So much is coming at me. So much is coming against me. So much is tackling me. When's it going to get better? I mean, I don't mean it's ugly. It's going to get better when you die. How's that for a word of encouragement this morning? It's not going to get better to Revelation 21 verse 4 when God's going to get rid of everything associated with the curse. I want to tell you this. The best way to get through it today is to have the one who reversed the curse living in your life. The one who's already won the battle, the one who's already won the victory. We needed Christmas because we couldn't do anything about the curse. Number two, we needed Christmas because we needed to put death to death. Somebody had to put death to death. Genesis 3, 19. Here's what God has said to them. In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. That was the first time that happened. Nobody ever talked about dying before. Nobody ever talked about going to dust before. I don't even know that Adam and Eve know what Jesus meant or God meant when he said you'll die. When God said this in Genesis 2, 17, we just looked at the verse, but, out of the, but if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll not eat it from the day you eat of it. You shall die. I'm not even sure they knew what he meant. But in chapter 3, when they ate that fruit, physical death wasn't immediate, but it started that day, and spiritual death was immediate. But on that day, eventual death became a reality a reality and on that day death entered into the world on that day sickness nobody ever had a runny nose until that day on that day suffering entered in the world pain entered the world listen on that day things that caused death were introduced into the world did you know man was made to never die I'll just tell you, your, 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 your body is so designed as an instrument that it could live forever, but it ages and wears down. And the reason it ages and wears down is because of sin. And all the pain you have in your life and all the suffering you have in your life is because of this day. And can I tell you, for thousands of years, death was running amok and no one could stop it. You couldn't thwart it, you couldn't avoid it, you couldn't escape it. And the whole of humanity had, had, uh, was tainted and everyone who drank from its cup was doomed to die. Death was the king of the world until Christmas morning. Hey, have you ate much of this stuff lately? Probably been going in restaurants. I was in a hotel room this week. I did room service a couple nights, and, and I asked for a salad, and they said, uh, we don't do those right now. And I, I, I didn't, I, didn't I, I don't always watch the news, and I didn't really realize what had happened, that uh, the, the FDA just list, lifted the ban on romaine lettuce. They have, 
they have localized the E. coli outbreak to uh, six counties in California. Let me give you some stats about this E. coli outbreak. 43 people were, at least 43 were sickened by that. 12 different states, 16 people had to be hospitalized. 22 people in Canada were sick as well. It took, I didn't know this, it took 20 days was the average amount of time from the time you ate bad romaine lettuce until you actually reported being sick or wound up in the hospital. 69% of uh, the victims were female. It's not surprising at all, is it, ladies? When's the last time you saw your husband order a salad, right? If it had been beef, we'd been in trouble. But a salad, we're fairly safe. That's why you don't eat vegan, right? Uh But here's what the FDA cautioned. I I, I like this. Follow me. They said, if you do not know where your romaine lettuce is from, do not eat it. Now, I asked my romaine lettuce where it was from. It didn't answer back. I don't, I don't know. I said, who's your mom and daddy? I didn't know where it came from, where it came from. Here's what I love about that statement. It, it, you could avoid the illness if you avoided lettuce. The, CD, the, CD, the FDA just said, just don't eat the lettuce and you'll be fine. Well, why are you telling me this, preacher? Because here's what I want to tell you. With death, it was not so. There was nothing you could do to stop it because we were all born to die. It's not like you could say, don't drink the water and you'll be fine. No, because your parents were sinful, they gave birth to a sinful child. And every child that has ever been born will be born a sinner. Except for my grandchild, of course, that's coming around in a few months. But uh, I mean, we're all dying physically. We're all dead spiritually. And nothing but Christmas could put that to death. Look at this verse there, man. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. But now is made manifest by the appearing, the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That word appearing is talking about Christmas, who has abolished death. Jesus killed death. And has brought life and immortality to light. Immortality. Through the gospel. We needed a savior because we could do nothing about the sin problem. But Jesus could do something about the sin problem. And because he could do something about the sin problem, he could do something about the death problem. That's why, Denny, every song we sang this morning, it seemed like, talked about the resurrection of Jesus. Because Jesus came, because he died on the cross, because he was resurrected, we can sing out 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Oh, death. Where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Listen, somebody give Jesus a hand this morning. Christmas changed the world. If you're today and unsaved, listen, I want to tell you, you are in bad, bad shape. Death has a hold on you. You need to get saved today. You say, preacher, we're all going to die. Listen, I love this old saying. You see it on bumper stickers sometimes, but it's so true. You're born once, you'll die twice. You're born twice, you'll die once. Jesus said you must be born again. If you're here today and don't know Jesus as Savior, you're going to die in this physical body, but you're going to spend eternity in a place called the lake of fire, which the Bible describes as eternal death. There's no reason not to trust Jesus as your Savior today. Can I tell you, if you're here today and you're saved, I'm so sorry 
If you're here today and you know Jesus, I am so sorry for all the suffering you've gone through in your life. But I want you to take hope. Jesus has defeated death and the grave. You've not lost a loved one in Christ that you're not going to see again one day. You're not, you don't have to worry about the suffering and the pain of this present world because here's what we're promised, that Jesus has put death to death. And that's why Psalms 23 says, we'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But it doesn't get to touch me. Because Jesus put death to death for those of you who are believers in Jesus Christ. Number three, here's what Christmas did for us. We needed Christmas to restore the relationship. Before the fall, God walked with Adam and Eve in the afternoons. I love this verse. Such a sweet, sweet verse. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That was their afternoons. God and man, creator and created. Having an afternoon stroll at the end of the day because God, man was perfect and God could take him by the hand and tell him all about creation and tell him all about life. And, and literally Adam and God became friends. But when sin entered in the world, it was all gone. Because God cannot behold sin, God cannot stand in front of sin, and the relationship was lost and no one can get it back. Why? Because everybody was born a sinner. And here's what the Bible says, and don't be offended by this, but if you're not a Christian, here's what the Bible says, you are the enemy of God. You're not the friend of God, you're the enemy of God. You say, well, I don't want to be the enemy of God. You shouldn't want to be the enemy of God. Because the Bible says if you're the enemy of God, the wrath of God is what awaits you for all of eternity. The wrath of God, if you don't know Jesus, was our inheritance. And we needed a Savior desperately because we needed someone to fix the relationship. Sometimes a relationship can be broken beyond repair. Sometimes people just can't be friends. Right? You ever met somebody you just couldn't be friends with? I mean, if somebody tries to harm you, somebody tries to hurt you, I'm not talking about forgiving them, but just sometimes you're not going to be friends. Well, let, let, me, let me show you somebody that's going to have a hard time being friends. This happened this week. This is hilarious. There's no sound. It's just a home security camera video. And the poor little unsuspecting girl is going to pull up. Somebody's going to try to rob her. That is probably my favorite video of all time, right? Like, like look, I don't know if you noticed or not, but he, he tried to get a purse, but he actually left his shoes. So he, he went up in the negative when it was all said and done. I, I love it when, when he's trying to grab and she's like, I think I can take him. And whoa, and she, and it's like, what in the world happens? Listen, they're not going to be friends. That's all I'm trying to tell you. They're not going to be friends. Listen, our relationship with God was broken just as badly. We had robbed from God our purity. We had robbed from God our innocence. And because of that, we were the ones that tainted all of God's creation. 
and we were enemies. It was far worse than if I tried to rob somebody of their purse. We were now the enemies of God, and nothing was helping that. Nothing was fixing that, and that's why we needed a Savior, and that's why we needed these Bible verses right here. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17-19. You know some of this, but let me show you the part that never gets any attention. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Now notice this. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing the trespasses of them. And has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. Notice this. Now follow me theologically. God was using Christ to reconcile the world to him. Here's what Jesus did. God looked down and said, man is my enemy. God looked down and said, man is going to get the wrath of God on their lives. I'll have to pour out my wrath on sin. A holy God, you say, does a loving God do that? No, but a holy God has to. And a holy God looked at the wrath at the sin of man and said, it, it demands that my wrath be poured out on them. And Jesus said, I got an idea. I can fix that. And what do you mean? He says, I'll go as a sacrifice for their sin. And God, I'll restore the relationship between man. And, and, and here's what 2 Corinthians said. He, I didn't put it on there. Verse 20, he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And here's what happened on the cross of Calvary. Jesus took God by the hand and he took man by the hand. And he put them hand in hand again, and man became the friend of God. And he restored the relationship. That's why we needed Christmas. You say, why did you title the sermon Joy to the World? You didn't even mention the song. No, but that's why we sing Joy to the World. The Lord is Close your Bibles, and I'm finished. We sing that song because someone had to reverse the curse. We sing that song because someone had to put death to death. We sing that song because someone had to restore the relationship. Look right this way. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the curse on this world goes from bad to worse if you do not know Jesus. If you die without Christ... You'll spend all of eternity dying. And you can't know God without knowing Jesus. I don't mean knowing him like knowing he exists. I mean knowing him like he's your friend. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, listen, the truth is you need to be saved today. And I'm going to tell you how to do that in just a minute. If you're here today and you are saved, can I say this? You need Jesus in your life more desperately than you realize. Because the songwriter had it right. He said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's us, right? Can you, can you admit that if you're a believer? Listen, some of you are saying, preacher, my world is so messed up. My, my world is so crazy. My life is so crazy. I, I get it. I know it. That's why you need to walk hand in hand with Jesus to get the victory. Because some of you are still living defeated by your sin, still living defeated by your flesh. And Jesus is the only thing that gives victory. 
Some of you here today, you're going through a hard time. Man, I'm going to tell you, there's sickness and suffering surrounding you all in your life. There's pain and heartache surrounding you all your life. And if you're here and you know Jesus is Savior, some of you just need to come to the altar this morning and say, God, I just need some faith to deal with all this suffering. God, keep me reminded that you put death to death. God, keep me reminded that there's coming a day of no more suffering. God, keep me reminded that one day God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Some of you are here today and you're not where you ought to be in your walk with the Lord. Let's lay it on the line. Some of you are here today and Christ restored the relationship and you're not even taking advantage of that. Listen, we desperately need a Christmas so that our relationship with God, I'm no longer enemies, but I'm friends with God. But that doesn't mean you're walking with him. Some of you here today, you're not where you ought to be in your walk with the Lord. And you need to come to the altar and just say, God, I wanna, I'm not waiting to the new year. Today, I want to get where I need to be in my walk with Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? If you're here today and you do not know Jesus as your Savior, you can be saved today. You can know Christ is in your life and heaven is your home. And it's as simple as ABC. A, admit that you're a sinner. You cannot save yourself. You cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot be good enough to get to heaven. You have to say, Lord, I can't do it. B, you've got to believe Christ died on the cross and ro- for your sins and rose again on the third day. That's the gospel. And C, you've got to confess him as the Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.